Chapter One of Different Girls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate Fallis. Different Girls Harper's Novelettes. The Little Joys of Margaret by Richard Legallian margaret had seen her five sisters one by one leave the family nest to set up little nests of their own her brother the eldest child of a family of seven had left the old home almost beyond memory and settled in london now and again he made a flying visit to the small provincial town of his birth and sometimes he sent two little daughters to represent him for he was already a widowed man and relied occasionally on the old roof-tree to replace the lost mother margaret had seen what sympathetic spectators called her fate slowly approaching for some time particularly when five years ago she had broken off her engagement with a worthless boy she had loved him deeply and had she loved him less a refined girl in the provinces does not find it easy to replace a discarded suitor for the choice of young men is not excessive her sisters had been more fortunate and so as i have said one by one they left their father's door in bridal veils but margaret stayed on and at length as had been foreseen became the sole nurse of a beautiful old invalid mother a kind of lay sister in the nunnery of home she came of a beautiful family in all the big family of seven there was not one without some kind of good looks two of her sisters were acknowledged beauties and there were those who considered margaret the most beautiful of all it was all the harder such sympathizers said that her youth should thus fade over an invalid's couch the bloom of her complexion be rubbed out by arduous vigils and the lines prematurely etched in her skin by the strain of a self-denial proper no doubt to homely girls and professional nurses but peculiarly wanton and wasteful in the case of a girl so beautiful as margaret there are alas a considerable number of women predestined by their lack of personal attractiveness for the humbler tasks of life instinctively we associate them with household work nursing and the general drudgery of existence one never dreams of their having a life of their own they have no accomplishments nor any of the feminine charms women to whom an offer of marriage would seem as terrifying as a comet they belong to the neutrals of the human hive and are practically speaking only a little higher than the paid domestic indeed perhaps their one distinction is that they receive no wages now for so attractive a girl as margaret to be merged in so dreary undistinguished a class was manifestly preposterous it was a stupid misapplication of human material a plainer face and a more homespun fibre would have served the purpose equally well 
margaret was by no means so much a saint of self-sacrifice as not to have realized her situation with natural human pangs youth only comes once especially to a woman and no hand can gather up the withered fallen petals of the rose of youth petal by petal margaret had watched the rose of her youth fading and falling more than all her sisters she was endowed with a zest for existence her superb physical constitution cried out for the joy of life she was made to be a great lover a great mother and to her more than most the sunshine falling in muffled beams through the lattices of her mother's sick-room came with a maddening summons to live she was so supremely fitted to play a triumphant part in the world outside there so gay of heart so victoriously vital at first therefore the renunciation accepted on the surface with so kind a face was a source of secret bitterness and hidden tears but time with its mercy of compensation had worked for her one of its many mysterious transmutations and shown her of what fine gold her apparently leaden days were made she was now thirty-three though for all her nursing vigils she did not look more than twenty-nine and was now more than resigned to the loss of the peculiar opportunities of youth if indeed they could be said to be lost already an old maid she would say who has cheerfully made up her mind to be an old maid is one of the happiest and indeed most enviable people in all the world resent the law as we may it is none the less true that renunciation brings with it a mysterious initiation a finer insight its discipline would seem to refine and temper our organs of spiritual perception and thus make up for the commoner experience lost by a rarer experience gained by dedicating herself to her sick mother margaret undoubtedly lost much of the average experience of her sex and age but almost imperceptibly it had been borne in upon her that she had made some important gains of a finer kind she had been brought very close to the mystery of human life closer than those who have nothing to do beyond being thoughtlessly happy can ever come the nurse and the priest are initiates of the same knowledge each alike is a sentinel on the mysterious frontier between this world and the next the nearer we approach that frontier the more we understand not only of that world on the other side but of the world on this it is only when death throws its shadow over the page of life that we realize the full significance of what we are reading thus by her mother's bedside margaret was learning to read the page of life under the illuminating shadow of death but apart from any such mystical compensation margaret's great reward was that she knew her beautiful old mother better than any one else in the world knew her 
as a rule and particularly in a large family parents remain half mythical to their children awe-inspiring presences in the home colossal figures of antiquity about whose knees the younger generation crawls and gropes but whose heads are hidden in the mists of prehistoric legend they are like personages in the bible they impress our imagination but we cannot think of them as being quite real their history smack of legend and this of course is natural for they had been in the world had loved and suffered so long before us that they seem a part of that antenatal mystery out of which we sprang when they speak of their old love stories it is as though we were reading homer it sounds so long ago we are surprised at the vividness with which they recall happenings and personalities past and gone before as they tell us we were born before we were born yes they belong to that mysterious epoch of time before we were born and unless we have a taste for history or are drawn close to them by some sympathetic human exigency as margaret had been drawn to her mother we are too apt in the stress of making our own to regard the history of our parents as dry as dust as the old mother sits there so quiet in her corner her body worn to a silver thread and hardly anything left of her but her indomitable eyes it is hard at least for a young thing of nineteen all aflush and a flurry with her new party gown to realize that that old mother is infinitely more romantic than herself she has sat there so long perhaps as to have come to seem part of the inanimate furniture of home rather than a living being well the young thing goes to her party and dances with some callow youth who pays her clumsy compliments and margaret remains at home with the old mother in her corner it is hard on margaret yes and yet as i have said it is thus she comes to know her old mother better than any one else knows her society perhaps not so poor an exchange for that of smart immature young men of one's own age as the door closes behind the important rustle of youthful laces and margaret and her mother are left alone the mother's old eyes light up with an almost mischievous smile if age seems humorous to youth youth is even more humorous to age it is evidently a great occasion peg the old voice says with the suspicion of a gentle mockery don't you wish you were going you naughty old mother answers margaret going over and kissing her the two understand each other well shall we go on with our book says the mother after a while yes dear in a moment i have first to get you your diet and then we can begin bother the diet says the courageous old lady for two pins i'd go to the ball myself that old taffeta silk of mine is old enough to be in fashion again what do you say peg if you and i go to the ball together oh it's too much trouble dressing mother what do you think well i suppose it is answers the mother besides i want to hear what happens next to those two beautiful young people in our book so be quick with my old diet and come and read 
there is perhaps nothing so lovely or so well worth having as the gratitude of the old towards the young that care to give them more than the perfunctory ministrations to which they have long since grown sadly accustomed there was no reward in the world that margaret would have exchanged for the sweet looks of her old mother who being no merely selfish invalid knew the value and the cost of the devotion her daughter was giving her i can give you so little my child for all you are giving me her mother would sometimes say and the tears would spring to margaret's eyes yes margaret had her reward in this alone that she had cared to decipher the lined old document of her mother's face her other sisters had passed it by more or less impatiently it was like some ancient manuscript in a museum which only a loving and patient scholar takes the trouble to read but the moment you begin to pick out the words how its crabbed text blossoms with beautiful meanings and fascinating messages it is as though you threw a dried rose into some magic water and saw it unfold and take on bloom and fill with perfume and bring back the nightingale that sang to it so many years ago so margaret loved her mother's old face and learned to know the meaning of every line on it privileged to see that old face in all its private moments of feeling under the transient revivification of deathless memories she was able so to say to reconstruct its perished beauty and to realize the romance of which it was once the alluring candle for her mother had been a very great beauty and if like margaret you are able to see it there is no history so fascinating as the bygone love affairs of old people how much more fascinating to read one's mother's love-letters than one's own even in the history of the heart recent events have a certain crudity and love itself seems the more romantic for having lain in lavender for fifty years a certain style a certain distinction beyond question go with antiquity and to spend your days with a refined old mother is no less an education in style and distinction than to spend them in the air of old cities under the shadow of august architecture and in the sunset of classic paintings the longer margaret lived with her old mother the less she valued the so-called opportunities she had missed coming out of her mother's world of memories there seemed something small even common about the younger generation to which she belonged something lacking in significance and dignity for example it had been her dream as it is the dream of every true woman to be a mother herself and yet somehow though she would not admit it in so many words when her young married sisters came with their babies there was something about their bustling and complacent domesticity that seemed to make maternity bourgeois she had not dreamed of being a mother like that she was convinced that her old mother had never been a mother like that they seem more like wet nurses than mothers she said to herself with her wicked wit 
was there she asked herself something in realization that inevitably lost you the dream was to incarnate an ideal to materialize it did the finer spirit of love necessarily evaporate like some volatile essence with marriage was it better to remain on idealistic spectator such as she than to run the risks of realization she was far too beautiful and had declined too many offers of commonplace marriage for such questioning to seem the philosophy of disappointment indeed the more she realized her own situation the more she came to regard what others considered her sacrifice to her mother as a safeguard against the risk of a mediocre domesticity indeed she began to feel a certain pride as of a priestess in the conservation of the dignity of her nature it is better to be a vestal virgin than some mothers and after all the maternal instinct of her nature found an ideal outlet in her brother's children the two little motherless girls who came every year to spend their holidays with their grandmother and their aunt margaret margaret had seen but little of their mother but her occasional glimpses of her had left her with a haloed image of a delicate spiritual face that grew more and more madonna-like with memory the nimbus of the divine mother as she herself had dreamed of her had seemed indeed to illumine that grave young face it pleased her imagination to take the place of that phantom mother herself a phantom mother and who knows but that such dream-children as she called those two little girls were more satisfactory in the end than real children they represented so to say the poetry of children had margaret been a real mother there would have been the prose of children as well but here as in so much else margaret's seclusion from the responsible activities of the outside world enabled her to gather the fine flower of existence without losing the sense of it in the cares of its cultivation i think that she comprehended the wonder and joy of children more than if she had been a real mother seclusion and renunciation are great sharpeners and refiners of the sense of joy chiefly because they encourage the habit of attentiveness our excitements are very tiny once said the old mother to margaret therefore we make the most of them i don't agree with you mother margaret had answered i think it is theirs that are tiny trivial indeed and ours that are great people in the world lose the values of life by having too much choice too much choice of things not worth having this makes them miss the real things just as any one living in a city cannot see the stars for the electric lights but we sitting quiet in our corner have time to watch and listen when the others must hurry by we have time for instance to watch that sunset yonder whereas some of our worldly friends would be busy dressing to go out to a bad play we can sit here and listen to that bird singing his vespers as long as he will sing and personally i wouldn't exchange him for a prima donna far from being poor in excitements i think we have quite as many as are good for us and those we have are very beautiful and real you are a brave child answered her mother come and kiss me 
and she took the beautiful gold head into her hands and kissed her daughter with her sweet old mouth so lost among wrinkles that it was sometimes hard to find it but am i not right mother said margaret yes you are right dear but you seem too young to know such wisdom i have to thank you for it darling answered margaret bending down and kissing her mother's beautiful gray hair ah little one replied the mother it is well to be wise but it is good to be foolish when we are young and i fear i have robbed you of your foolishness i shall believe you have if you talk like that retorted margaret laughingly taking her mother into her arms and gently shaking her as she sometimes did when the old lady was supposed to have been naughty so for margaret and her mother the days pass and at first as we have said it may seem a dull life and even a hard one for margaret but she herself has long ceased to think so and she dreads the inevitable moment when the divine friendship between her and her old mother must come to an end she knows of course that it must come and that the day cannot be far off when the weary old limbs will refuse to make the tiny journeys from bedroom to rocking-chair which have long been all that has been demanded of them when the brave humorous old eyes will be so weary that they cannot keep open any more in this world the thought is one that is insupportably lonely and sometimes she looks at the invalid chair at the cup and saucer in which she serves her mother's simple food at the medicine bottle and the measuring glass at the knitted shawl which protects the frail old form against draughts and at all such sad furniture of an invalid's life and pictures the day when the homely affectionate use of all these things will be gone for ever for so poignant is humanity that it sanctifies with endearing associations even objects in themselves so painful and prosaic and it seems to margaret that when that day comes it would be most natural for her to go on the same journey with her mother for who shall fill for her her mother's place on earth and what occupation will be left for margaret when her beautiful old raison de terre as she sometimes calls her mother has entered into the sleep of the blessed she seldom thinks of that for the thought is too lonely and meanwhile she uses all her love and care to make this earth so attractive and cosy that the beautiful mother spirit who has been so long prepared for her short journey to heaven may be tempted to linger here yet a little while longer these ministrations which began as a kind of renunciation have now turned into an unselfish selfishness margaret began by feeling herself necessary to her mother now her mother becomes more and more necessary to margaret sometimes when she leaves her alone for a few moments in her chair she laughingly bends over and says promise me that you won't run away to heaven while my back is turned and the old mother smiles one of those transfigured smiles which seem only to light up the faces of those that are already half over the border of the spiritual world winter is of course margaret's time of chief anxiety and then her loving efforts are redoubled to detain her beloved spirit in an inclement world 
each winter passed in safety seems a personal victory over death how anxiously she watches for the first sign of the returning spring how eagerly she brings the news of early blade and bud and with the first violet she feels that the danger is over for another year when the spring is so afire that she is able to fill her mother's lap with a fragrant heap of crocus and daffodil she dares at last to laugh and say now confess mother that you won't find sweeter flowers even in heaven and when the thrush is on the apple bough outside the window margaret will sometimes employ the same gentle raillery do you think mother she will say that an angel could sing sweeter than that thrush you seem very sure margaret that i'm going to heaven the old mother will sometimes say with one of her arch old smiles but do you know that i stole two peppermints yesterday you did says margaret i did indeed and they have been on my conscience ever since really mother i don't know what to say answers margaret i had no idea that you are so wicked many such little games the two play together as the days go by and often at bedtime as margaret tucks her mother into bed she asks her are you comfortable dear do you really think you would be much more comfortable in heaven or sometimes she will draw aside the window curtains and say look at the stars mother don't you think we get the best view of them down here so it is that margaret persuades her mother to delay her journey a little while end of chapter one